Hello, my name is Sarah Sloan and you're listening to The Sarah Sloan Show. Hope you guys are happy, not angry. I'm super excited to jump into the news today. Uh, I thought we might as well just start start off with uh, Trump visiting the border. He visited the border today and I'm going to play a clip. But first, I did go to, (laughs) went to a pizza buffet today. And, you know, pizza buffet, it's, it's, it's pizza. It's a lot of pizza. And you just kind of have to decide how far will I go? I need, I don't need to go too far, but also want to feel like I'm getting my money's worth, but this is also terrible for me. And so just enjoying the food there. And then I noticed that one of the workers looks like a very small, young boy, I would have guessed about 10 or 11 years old. And he was cleaning up the tables and was just a regular employee there. And I'm assuming the age, I won't lie to you. He was very short, extremely short, but it just, yeah, it felt wrong. It felt wrong to me. I don't even know why. And I kept on thinking like, what if he overheard me talking about him uh, while I was there? And then he comes over and he's like, I'm 37. Okay, I just look young. You know, I have no idea, you know, how old he was, but he just looked young. And then it made me think even more, just is child labor really wrong? Is it wrong to teach kids to work and to create that, that work ethic? Because now we have kids and all they seem to care about is uh, TikTok and um, what is Animal Crossing? Just all that kind of stuff. That's, That's all they seem to care about now. So I don't know. If it was little kid, a little kid, then at least he's earning some money. Hopefully he's earning money. You really never know. You don't know how bad this is. You just don't know. But if he's earning money, working, and he's 10 or 11, like I'm assuming, then I guess that's good on him. But it still felt weird. Okay. So Trump visited the border today. A pretty successful visit. He was uh, invited by the governor of Texas And he had announced that he was going to be going. And then, of course, Kamala Harris tries to beat him to it. And she does. She she goes to the border. Of course, she goes to El Paso, which is 790 miles away from where the action is taking place. He goes right to where the action is. But here is him just kind of talking before he actually begins. Probably saying I doubt it. (laughs) I mean, the real question is, do they really want open borders? Or are they incompetent? There's only two things. You're either incompetent or for some reason you have a screw loose and you want to have open borders. Now, the problem with the open borders is that countries are opening up their jails. They're opening up their prisons. You guys see this. And they're letting all their prisoners out. You notice their prison populations are way down. They do do it very slowly because they don't want people to know this. But I know it. And they're letting all of their murderers, rapists, drug dealers, and human traffickers out. And they're coming into the United States of America at a level like we've never seen. They weren't coming in with us. And in fact, one of the quick stories I tell is that when we first started, I said, get them out. And I said to, uh, I said, really, more than anybody, I guess, to you, Mark, you and Tom, I said, get them the hell out. The MS-13 gang members, who they say are the, the worst in the world, they certainly 
might very well right. be. I see what they do with knives, where they cut them up into small people. They cut people up into small pieces because it's more painful than using a gun. I said, get them out. And Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador would not accept the people under the Obama administration. They wouldn't take the people. So the people came back to me just routinely, sir, I'm sorry, but they won't take them. I said, who won't take them? Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, they won't take the people back. I said, oh, really? Why? They don't want them. I said, okay. How much money do we pay them? Sir, we pay them $500 million a year. What does that have to do with it, sir? I said, a lot. We're not paying them anymore. And then I got a call the next day from the heads of the three countries. We would love to take MS-13 back. They are wonderful people. We'd love to have them back where they belong. And we never had a problem after that. But now I understand they're not taking them back again because we don't deal with those countries right. I got along with the three people, plus the president of Mexico, beyond. He's a fantastic man. He really is. He's a fantastic man. Very different persuasion. His thought process is very different. Could be on the socialist side. But I'll tell you what, we worked along really well together, and he's a terrific man and a terrific person, and he loves Mexico. I will tell you that. But Real quick, I, yeah, I just want to kind of highlight Trump and just the way that he deals with things. He looks at other leaders, and he tries to see the good aspects of them. Obviously, nobody's perfect in this life. But there's always going to be something good that you can see from someone. No matter what, you can always see something good. You can twist it, like Adolf Hitler, terrible guy. He was a good leader. <laughs> he, he led people, and he, he knew what he was doing. He managed people pretty well. Now, what he did was disgusting and vile, but you could see something good out of every single person. So that Trump does that. He looks for the good, and you know that the president of Mexico, hears what Trump says. And he's like, wow, huh. He thinks something good about me. Versus, oh, this person is terrible. They're awful. And then it just makes you think, I don't want to work with that country. They just <laughs> badmouth me in front of everybody. So Trump's very smart in the way he does this. Also, MS uh, MS-13, terrible gang. Terrible, terrible, terrible gang. Violence. Rape, everything. Drugs. Do we want them here in this country? No. Of course we don't. We're not crazy. So what would a good leader do? Try to get them out as soon as possible? Yeah, that's what a good leader would do. Joe Biden hasn't done that. President Biden has not done that. But Trump was doing that. There's, there's a huge difference there between a good leader and a leader that doesn't seem to really care about the interest of the American people, but rather the interest of gang members that do terrible things? Eh, doesn't make sense to me. But uh, we opened it up. They used to have airplanes on the runway, so we couldn't land our planes with their MS-13 horrible criminals in the plane. So we couldn't land them. We couldn't get buses back. And once I did that, uh, they took them all back. So we had all these great policies going, and they were all ended. One day they were ended. This didn't take place over three months or five months. This took place in the first week they were ended. It was almost like they were ended because I did it. But, you know, we did a great job. In the history, and I appreciate what you said, Sheriff, because in the history there's never been, and not me, all of us together, there has never been a border so secure as the border, the southern border that we have. 
and now it's opened up. And don't kid yourself, they're coming in from the Middle East, and they're coming in, and they're bad. They're coming in from the Middle East. I'd say, well, where are those people from, sir? They're from Yemen. Oh, really, Yemen, right? How's that all about? They would dump them off in South America, and they make the journey up because it was easy to get through that way, through the southern border, and that stopped with us. That stopped fast. And now we have an open, really dangerous border, more dangerous than it's ever been in the history of our country, and we better go back fast. And, you know, I watch a couple of even you people said that, well, we could start it immediately. Well, it's not going to go fast because you have to go back now and start the whole thing up with Mexico and with the three countries. It's not going to go that quickly. You know, they say, well, we should just immediately go back. It's not that easy. This was a lot of hard work and uh, very good negotiation. We did great negotiation. And we did things like, uh, we're going to charge you tariffs if you do this or if you do that. And all of a sudden, they said, well, we'd love to have you have it your way. We want every point, every single point. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. So it's not that easy to go back, mm -hmm. I will tell you. This is bad news for you, and you know. know it. Know. And a lot of people like to say to the media, well, we could immediately, I saw it today, we should immediately go back to the Trump policy. It's not that easy now. It's not that easy. But we have a, a sick country in many ways. It's sick in elections, and it's sick in the border. And if you don't have good elections, and if you don't have a strong border, you don't have a country. So with that, we're going over to the border right now, mm -hmm. but we're going to the real part of the border where there's real problems, right. not a part where you look around and you don't see anybody. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're going to admire the wall and how it works, because uh, wherever we have the wall, that's what made the big difference. It made tremendous difference. And I just want to thank the people in this room. You have been incredible, incredible partners, including those characters back there that are all friends of mine. Every single one. Good job on television yesterday morning. Uh, Really good, Brian, I tell you, really good. So I just want to thank you all very much. It's an honor, and uh, we have a tremendous crowd waiting for us, and I don't want to keep this man — I don't want to have him be late. I want to keep those approval ratings right at 92 percent. <laughs> okay? Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you very you much. Take he was talking to, te uh, yeah, Texas Governor Greg Abbott. I don't know what he's talking about, 92 percent ratings of approval. Um, yeah, that, I don't think that's accurate. He, he doesn't have my approval. Basically, he's a guy that just does what he has to do just because he wants to keep his position and his power. So, yeah, I guess in that sense, he fears the people so he can keep his job, but he's just a generic politician who doesn't have a backbone. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan, but at least he made the right move to ask Trump to come to the border. And, yeah, so true what Trump said. You don't have borders, and you don't have fair elections. You don't have a country. What, what's the point of a country if there's no clear lines? If you could just move from place to place, and it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter where you go, um, what is citizenship? What is love of country? Uh, what taxes? What, what makes America? You know? <laughs> it's just you take all of that away, and... Um, yeah, already we're seeing mistrust of elections. And, of course, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to trust the election results. Uh, sorry, don't. <laughs> there was a New York mayor uh, mayoral race, and already they are having doubts about that election. I think over 100,000 votes they're not sure of. 
So, and this is New York, just one state, not the whole country. It's not good to mistrust your elections because if you don't trust your elections, they'll make you just not want to vote. And I think that is exactly what the Democrats have in mind. Now, on to other news. Um, This was very interesting to me. Basically, there is a podcast, and you might have heard of it. I don't know. It's called Smartless. Combined together, Smartless. That's not a real word, by the way. Even I know that. I'm not smartless enough to not know that. So this podcast, let's be real. It's only popular because it's three celebrities that host it. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. You might know them, you might not. I listened to one episode and they were interviewing Jimmy Kimmel. They, you know, it. there was some humor to it. It was kind of interesting. Um, basically, they surprise each other. One of them has a celebrity or someone famous and then they're like okay you know they're speaking to the other two i have somebody and we're going to interview them and so then they kind of oh wow it's jimmy kimmel or something like that and then they just ask questions just question after question and they're not experienced interviewers or anything that's not you know you could be a celebrity but it doesn't mean you're a podcaster you know those are completely different um, skills so It was okay. Basically, the fact that I don't continually listen to that podcast shows I wasn't too impressed. Although after this, I might give it another try. Basically, the company Amazon, they've acquired rights to the podcast for potentially as much as $80 million. So they're going to have exclusive rights to this podcast. And it's because it's what I've explained in the past. Apple, Spotify, now Amazon, and there's other platforms, they are trying to make everybody want to listen to podcasts on their platform. So I used to listen to podcasts on Apple. Now I listen to podcasts, a little bit of podcasts on Apple, but mostly podcasts on Spotify. And the reason? I only even started because Joe Rogan's podcast is exclusively on Spotify. You cannot hear it anywhere else. So that really drew me to Spotify because I wanted to hear it. And so I only listened to Joe Rogan's podcast on Spotify and I I didn't listen to any other podcasts on there. Well, I started to like the platform more. In a sense, I think it's actually better. It's, It's a lot better than Apple. So it drew me there. Never would have done it if they had not made that deal with Joe Rogan. I'm basically, I'm helping them. I'm listening to ads and looking at ads on Spotify. So it's a big deal. So Amazon's trying to do the same thing and... Yeah, it's fascinating. They already acquired the company Wondery, which Wondery does tons of podcasts that are really interesting. They do more like story form. It's not just somebody like me talking. Yeah, they do much more like story form podcast. And so uh, they're they're really interesting podcast. And now they own them. So it doesn't mean you can't listen to Wondery podcasts everywhere else. You can. I listen to them on Spotify, but they own them now. So potentially they could do something where they said you can only listen to Wondery on Amazon. I think the reason they're not doing that is because the cost benefit analysis probably just shows that it isn't worth doing that. It's better to spread it out on other platforms. Now, yeah, with with this Amazon deal, the total value is between $60 million and $80 million. And it's going to last for three years. So 
That also means they started this podcast in the midst of the pandemic. These celebrities did because what else were you going to be doing for, for the time being? They really weren't doing any movies or any shows. Nobody was doing that until like a bit later on in the pandemic. So basically people didn't have a lot to do. They had time on their hands and now they've kind of committed to this podcast. So now they're going to do it for three years, but you know, can you really blame them for a deal that costs that much money? Like that's a lot. Um, Joe Rogan's deal with Spotify was rumored to be a hundred million, but that was just a one man versus having to spread it amongst uh, three celebrities. So they're going to have to continue to do this podcast for three years and we'll see how it does for Amazon. Of course, Amazon seems to be dominating everything. They, they own everything. They're taking over the world. So, so it will be fascinating. And then, um, obviously I love podcasts. I, you're listening to one right now. So, uh, basically people say that there's 2 million podcasts and they're trying to, you know, they try to talk about it the same way they talk about, oh, wow, there's so many YouTube channels or, oh, there's so many accounts on Facebook. You know, they just, they just try to say, oh, this, this platform is growing. This medium is growing. So they're doing the same thing with podcast. Wow, look, because of the pandemic, now there's 2 million podcasts. Oh, that's so crazy. Well, there are, there are 2 million podcasts, but basically there was analysis and they figured out that out of the 2 million titles reflected in Apple podcast, a remarkable 26% have produced just a single episode. So that suggests many people, this is what the article says, that suggests many people fired up their creative juices, especially during the pandemic and stopped after creating one episode. Roughly a fourth of all podcasts are out of business. (laughs) Or more likely, we're never really in it. So, yeah, uh, basically a fourth of all podcasts are just one episode. Now, I've always heard that podcast, the average podcast lasts for seven episodes and then doesn't make it anymore. I'm really, I'm really happy. I had heard that before I started uh, podcasting and... I won't lie to you. It, it, obviously, podcasting isn't easy. It's like it's like having to. It's something you're passionate about, but sometimes you get afraid, and then sometimes you don't want to do it. You don't want to like just like speak and and kind of put yourself out there. But for me, I love it, and it's worth it, and it's really become a huge passion uh, of mine. And so I hope that you enjoy, you know, what I talk about. Hopefully, you do. But I totally understand the people that. They get so excited about the premise of, I could just like sit and like talk and people will listen to me. That's so cool. No, there's a lot more work to it than that. Um, so I get the, the, you know, people just doing one podcast and, and I, I remember, you know, some people that I know and they started a podcast and they no longer have one and that's people I know. So this really is a thing that's happening. Um, it's hard to make it continue. And yeah, so I I do empathize big time. Now, figure this out. Um, So for podcasts that have three or fewer episodes, that's basically 44% of all podcasts. Three or fewer episodes, 44% of all podcasts. 
That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. For me, I'll also be honest. I invested a little bit. I bought some equipment. I bought microphones and things like that. If I had done three or fewer, I wouldn't be able to look in the mirror because I spent money. You know, it's a big deal um, to just only do three and then quit. Now I feel like I've actually made this equipment worth it. And I, so I'm really glad that I, I bought what I did. Um, and yeah, I've seen YouTube uh, videos on people's podcast setups and what I spent is nothing compared to what they spend. Um, so then here's another one. If we look at podcasts that have 10 episodes, that represents slightly more than a third of all podcasts, 36%. And so then that's 720,000 podcasts. Crazy. It's totally crazy. Just 10 episodes. And there are there are some podcasts that they, uh, I think there's one, ABC Dropout, The Dropout, and that's about Elizabeth Holmes. And um, she created this company, Theranos, or something like that, where um, it just takes one drop of your blood, and it can give you all this medical analysis. And so that, that podcast, I think it was like six episodes. So they, they do do that. And that podcast is still out there, and it's very popular. People listen to it. It's like watching a documentary because it just gives you some information. Um, so I, I totally I totally get that. Now, here's the other reality to podcasts that a lot of people don't think about. Podcasting is not like YouTube. With YouTube, creating a YouTube channel is free. You post videos there, and YouTube is the host. They host your videos. They don't charge you money for that. The thing that has made like podcasting a slower medium to grow is the fact that typically podcast hosting costs a lot of money. Like it really does. Um, then <laughs> there were some websites that started making some free options. So there's SoundCloud. Everybody's heard of SoundCloud because people used to listen to music on SoundCloud. I don't think they do anymore. I think Spotify has beat them out. But you could, I remember this at the time because I was looking at this as an option. You could host, or yeah, you could host a podcast on there and you can have three free hours. So three free hours and you can use SoundCloud. If you use more than three hours, then you got to start paying for a membership for them to host it. So I remember thinking at the time, wow, I could just do like, a few episodes that are like 10 minutes each and I could just have that kind of rotating and I delete one and then I post another, I delete one and I post another and I could just keep a podcast going. So at least I don't have to pay money. And then a really cool website came up <laughs> called anchor FM. That's what I use now. It's free. <laughs> so you can host podcasts for free on it. Obviously I do the ad at the beginning of my show, uh, you know, telling people about it. And I, I think it's wonderful. Now, a lot of the snobs on YouTube that they talk very badly of anchor and they say, Oh, they don't, they kind of own your, they kind of own your podcast. You can't really do all that you want, all what you want to do. You're always going to be limited by them. It's better that you pay. And usually whatever they're recommending is like 20 bucks a month and stuff like that. You know, just a lot of money. And so no, I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Okay, so what if they take away my podcast? 
at least I didn't spend any money on it. You know, that, that's just the way, that's just the way I'm thinking about it. Um, you know, it, of course it, it was like becoming a huge, huge business for me that was making like over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Then yeah, for sure. I would look into maybe a different, you know, host, but it just, this is a hobby of mine and I love it, but it's a hobby. It's not a business. So, you know, but they're these people on YouTube, they're talking to you and they're just hating on this platform. And I know that so many people, they are really only going to make 10 episodes. I know it. I know it. And they watch these experts, so-called experts, and they end up paying for a platform and they do 10 episodes and they're paying maybe 10 bucks a month. And they think that they're going to make more, but they don't really have it in them. They never really wanted to create a podcast. They just thought they did. So then they're wasting all this money because some expert on YouTube told them that Anchor is evil. Instead, they could have just done Anchor and spent no money and figured out that they really had no passion to do this at all. You know, it's just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that these, that these people on YouTube... <laughs> They think they know, but they really don't. I know. I'm the expert because I've been doing this for so long now. Um, that's sarcasm, if you can't tell. But I think that Anchor is part of the reason why there's so many podcasts. Because now there's no consequence to creating a podcast. But I don't see the issue with that. It'd be like, oh, inst uh, there's an Instagram account that has one post. Oh, that's awful. There's only one post on their Instagram account. That's terrible. Who cares? How's it going to affect you? It doesn't matter. But then at least you know, hey, it's probably not like a totally legitimate Instagram account. Like they're not on it all the time. So it, it, it is, it's really fascinating. It was a great article. I, I loved reading it. All right, so let's finish with this. You ever heard of Bill Cosby? <laughs> he went to jail. And uh, it was for sexual assault convi uh, convictions. So I will play this clip real quick. This big national story tonight, Bill Cosby's conviction overturned. Cosby was released from prison just within the last few hours. His legal team addressed reporters, but he himself did not speak. KPRC2's Taisha Walker now with a closer look at today's ruling. Bill Cosby is a free man now out of prison and cannot be retried in this case. We spoke with a victim's advocacy group here in Galveston who tells us this may end up causing more trauma to the women that were involved. Today, innocence came to Mr. Cosby. Bill Cosby has been released from a Pennsylvania prison after serving three years. Earlier today, the state's high court overturned the 83-year-old sexual assault conviction from 2018. This is that rare case where a defendant who wins an appeal is not going to be retried. America's dad is going home. The comedian was expected to serve 10 years behind bars. In 2018, Cosby was arrested after being found guilty of drugging and violating a Temple University sports administrator at his home in 2004. Cosby was released today because the court found a promise made to Cosby in 2005 by a former DA was not kept when Cosby was retried in 2018. KPRC2 legal analyst Brian Weiss explains. What happened is that then DA Bruce Castor made a promise to Bill Cosby he wouldn't be prosecuted in criminal court if he waived his right against self-incrimination and testified in a civil deposition brought by the complainant. 
Bruce Castor's successor, Kevin Steele, failed to keep that promise. Dennis Ferguson with the Resource and Crisis Center of Galveston County says it can be traumatizing for any sexual assault victim to learn their accuser has been released from prison. They kind of recreate old memories that come up. Uh, so they may go through trauma all over again, just rethinking about what has happened to them in the past. So it can be very devastating to those individuals, yes. Weiss says today's conviction can be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, but the odds of that taking place are very slim. In Galveston, Taisha Walker, KPRC, 2 News. Thank you, Taisha. Okay, so you may not like what I say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I think that listening to, you know, Things that are different than the narrative can sometimes be more interesting. And and I'm just throwing out speculations. So I, I've spoken to a few people that have said that they don't think that Bill Cosby sexually assaulted anybody. Now, that was shocking for me to hear. I listened to the, it's one of those podcasts like I mentioned before. It was like a 10 episode podcast where it was about Bill Cosby and I think it was done by the LA Times. And it was all these women talking about their experiences where he drugged them and then he essentially raped them, um, all these women. And he would, you know, kind of promise them that um, he would be able to get them a spot on his show, things along those lines. But yeah, some people say that he didn't do it. And in a sense, they never had real evidence it was basically the fact that so many women came forward. Now, a thought I've had, and, and I've had it for, I think, a few years now. What if somebody, <laughs> this is so conspiratorial, what if somebody wanted to take somebody else down and they, they gathered a group of people and said, let's throw an accusation and just the simple fact that it's so many of us throwing an accusation, say it's like 20 plus people, um, this will take that person down. Now, there could be consequences if you, uh, if you have a false claim. But how are they going to know it's a false claim? You never know. You, you can't. There are some things that you could say happened to you that no one can prove or disprove. So... It's a thought that I've had in my mind. Now, I, like I said, I don't know. I don't know with Bill Cosby. I wasn't there. I haven't spoken to people, obviously. I'm just a little girl here. Um, but yeah, he's 83 years old. Uh, let's see. This was what he put on Twitter. I've never changed my stance nor my story. I've always maintained my innocence. Thank you to all my fans supporters, and friends who stood by me through this ordeal. Special thanks to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court for upholding the rule of law. So, and it had 4.5K likes. So, but a lot of people are really, really, really upset that he was released. So many people. They, they just, yeah. Um... And then, of course, he was very happy that he, he was able to finally go home. Now, let's see. The disgraced actor, once known as America's dad, had served more than two years of his three to ten year sentence after he was convicted of drugging and molesting a woman at his home in 2004. 
The state's highest court threw out the disgraced actor's conviction earlier Wednesday after finding that district attorney Kevin Steele, the prosecutor who had brought the case against Cosby, violated an agreement to not charge him. That previous district attorney Bruce Castor had made um, in 2005, though the deal had apparently never been put in writing. So that also makes it a little sketchy. Like, why wasn't the deal put in writing? You know, if you're going to release someone based off of a a supposed deal, I, I don't know. That's also just kind of weird. So Cosby's attorneys had previously also argued that testimony from five other women who, who accused Cosby of assaulting them in the 1980s tainted the trial and that those other accusers should not have been allowed to testify the justices didn't weigh in on that issue. You know, that's a whole other thing with the with the court. Sometimes people are allowed to just do a lot of this emotional testimony and they're not just sticking to the facts of like, this happened to me, that happened to me. They go into the, you hurt me and all of that. And that can sometimes be really, really unfair because that could sway the jury, you know? You shouldn't bring emotions into it. Obviously, you were emotionally affected, but just stick to the yes or the no. And and yeah, you might think, oh, Sarah, you're so awful for saying that. But he's being released now. We really don't know what happened. And the fact that somebody had to spend time in prison when we're not 100% certain what happened, that's scary. So this is what they, uh, they said. This is what an attorney said. They pulled the rug out from under him, Cosby, because of politics, because of popular opinion. I want to commend Cosby's victim, Andrea Constant, for her bravery in coming forward and remaining steadfast through this long ordeal, as well as all the other women who have shared similar experiences. My hope is that this decision will not dampen the reporting of sexual assaults by victims. Prosecutors in my office will continue to follow the evidence wherever and to whomever it leads. We still believe that no one is above the law, including those who are rich, famous, and powerful. And that was what the uh, the district ter- attorney said who had prosecuted Cosby. Um, oh, yeah. So the so Bill Cosby, he, he maintained his innocence and had previously said he'd served the full sentence 10 years rather than admit any guilt over the encounter with Constant. He had been denied parole in May. He spent his time behind bars in Phoenix, a 3,830-bed maximum security state prison that opened in 2018. And apparently he is he's in good health, but he's now legally blind. So, yeah. We, yeah, I, I just... You have to prove that the person did it. And I think we're getting so much away from that with all these cases. And yeah, we just do this like emotional abuse with juries. And I don't know. I, I just think it's it's getting kind of scary. And basically, if the public doesn't like the decision, people feel threatened, their lives feel threatened, like they could face death threats or, you know, physical assaults or yeah, anything. And I just wonder how much the public opinion to be able to weigh in on cases that have nothing to do with them. 
So who knows? Who knows what the, what will come later in a few years? I might be totally wrong to have any belief that he didn't do it. But a small part of me does question whether or not he did it. A small part of me does. And that's my open-mindedness. I try to be open-minded. But of course, that just... People don't like to hear that. Okay. Let's go to the verse. It will be Proverbs 18.1. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrel. Yeah, there's some people like that in life. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen some of that in myself. There, there's times where... I know exactly what I need to say to start a quarrel and I do it. And I just say, I just say the thing that's going to tick the person off. And then I regret it and I know I shouldn't have done it. It's not worth it. It never is. Even if it gets the approval of anybody. Sometimes I feel that way. It's like, oh, if, if somebody thinks what I said was funny, then that makes it okay. But it doesn't really. But it is fun to get to laugh. That's why I need Jesus. <laughs> I need him every day. Um, so yeah. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. And against all sound judgment starts quarrels. So thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I hope you stay healthy, happy, and not hangry. Okay. Have a great day. Goodbye.